0: In 2021, I went back to school. I went back to school to get better at podcasting, and soon I'll be graduating, and it's time to introduce myself to the world of broadcasting and podcasting. As I begin to seek employment, there is one document that I have come to rely on, and that's my resume. One document to show you who I am and what I'm capable of. Essentially, one document to rule them all. For Lawrence Schick, his resume to TSR was the module White Plume Mountain. The module was an amalgamation of what he felt was his best work. I wonder how he felt. What encounters would TSR like? What should he hold back? Let's delve the depths of White Plume Mountain today on the Old Men Rolling Dice podcast. Rolling Dice is brought to you by CanadianDice.ca. Don't forget to use the OMRD code at checkout for a 10% discount off your entire order. Hey, this is DM Jeremy. Old Men Rolling Dice is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast where we talk about old school D&D. We like to say everyone is welcome at our table and nostalgia is what we do. Lawrence Schick discovered Dungeons and Dragons in its earliest form at Kent State University. At an early age, he knew he wanted to be a storyteller. He also had a love for traditional board games and war games from publishers like Avalon Hill. Dungeons & Dragons bridged gaming and storytelling for this aspiring author. After playing D&D with Tom Moldvay, another pioneer of the game, Schick learned of a job opening at TSR, and he decided to apply, and they required a sample module. The module would serve as his D&D resume, per se. Schick went back to his notes of his previous games and mined everything he believed was his best work. The result was a strange funhouse of tricks and traps to stump any adventurer that dared enter. In fact, the module defined the funhouse genre of D&D modules. But we'll talk more on that later. Schick sent his D&D resume to TSR and hoped for the best. It all worked out as TSR hired him and published the module as it was submitted. The module was released in 1979, and White Plume Mountain would go on to become a classic. The book is only 12 pages in length, but it really endeared itself to the community. The author would come to admit that he had never intended it to be published, though, in that form. And although it was gratifying to have his work published, it was also a little bit of a source of embarrassment. The embarrassment comes from the magical sword found within the dungeon. The blade is called Black Razor, and it is an analog to the magic sword Stormbringer featured in a number of Michael Moorcock novels from the 60s and 70s. Many fans saw this as a blatant ripoff, but Schick would explain that he had included Black Razor as an example of his ability to adapt other medias into game terms. Remember, he never dreamed that TSR would turn around and publish the material as it was submitted. The 1979 module struck a chord with D&D fans and would go on to be expanded in 1981 to a 16-page booklet with the addition of more art. It would then be included as part of the Realms of Horror book in 1987, but it didn't end there. Fans would see a reprint and a sequel released for the 25th anniversary of Dungeons and & Dragons and a novel was published for the Greyhawk Classic series. An online version was released and updated to conform with 3rd edition rules, as well as for the sequel, but it still didn't end there. 2013, the module was again released for the Dungeons of Dread hardcover collection, and finally in 2017, for the 5th edition rules, it was released as part of the Tales from the Yawning Portal Anthology. To say that the lore of this adventure is ingrained in D&D history is an understatement. I think the module is popular for a couple of reasons. First are the three magic weapons found within the dungeon. Whelm is a powerful warhammer forged by the dwarves. Wave is a holy trident to the sea god. And the aforementioned Black Razor. These weapons had unique abilities and each had their own personalities as they were enchanted with intelligence and the ability to speak. The other appealing quality of the module is that it's crazy, over-the-top, and just pure fun with its many weird little traps and puzzles for the players to overcome. Speaking of over-the-top, I have a new set of dice and they have chickens inside them. Like the dice is clear and you can see a little yellow chicken inside, but it doesn't end there. The 20-sided dice has a little white hen. And the four-sided dice has an egg inside it. So you get an entire chicken family inside this dice set. I picked them up over at canadiandice.ca. You should go check them out if you'd like a set of your own. And don't forget to use the code OMRD at checkout for a 10% discount and we can all roll chickens together. So let's talk about running White Plume Mountain at your table. The plot is simple. The evil mad wizard Caraptus has stolen three powerful magic weapons and hidden them away in a trap and puzzle-ridden dungeon beneath the famous White Plume Mountain. The proper owners of the weapons hire the players to risk their lives to retrieve them. The players also begin the adventure with a cryptic poem that Caraptus left at each of the theft sites. The poem hints at some of the obstacles that the players will face and the module has a copy of the poem on the back page and this can create a great prop opportunity so photocopy or recreate it and you know maybe age the paper tear the edges make it look worn down nothing better than to start out a game with a great prop on the table i mentioned the term funhouse previously and this module is a defining example of this genre. So these types of dungeons are usually a series of puzzles and traps. There's no logic or consistency. One room might have a flooding uh, water trap in it and the next have sort of a magical magnet puzzle or, you know, the next the hallway has a riddling monster in it. There's no rhyme or reason, there's no logic. Like how does that monster eat? Where does it poop? Uh, some of the encounters might even seem a little prankish as well. Let's look at a couple examples right out of the module itself. First is room 7. This is a chamber that the characters enter and they find themselves in a cave and they begin on a ledge 50 feet above a floor of boiling mud. There are a series of wooden discs about four feet across and they hang suspended from the ceiling, each on a chain. In the mud below are two geysers that spray the chamber at different intervals with boiling mud. So the mud burns and it makes the discs slippery. And on the far side of the cavern is another ledge and exit from the room. There is no right or wrong way to do this. This is a great design, in my opinion, as it's up to the players to figure out their own way of how to cross it. Maybe the wizard casts a fly spell. Maybe the players rope themselves together and swing on the chains and discs. It's a rather complex room, and once the players start crossing it, the chaos can really ramp up. So this might be a room that you sketch out ahead of time, or even build a small diorama to sort of track the chaos (laughs) and the player's locations in the cave. Best piece of advice as a DM in this room is to shut up. (laughs) Give the players the details and let them struggle to find a solution. No hints. Next, let's look at room 17, also known as the bubble chamber a sunken stone ledge projects out into a boiling lake beneath a dome-like rubbery magical force field. This keeps the boiling water back. In the center of the dome is a treasure chest, aka the bait, and it's guarded by a gigantic crab. You heard me. King Kong meets King Crab. The trick here is that missed attacks could strike the rubbery force field. A stray arrow could puncture, a a, a stray sword strike could tear the dome and it will let the boiling waters of the lake in. Enough damage and the balloon-like force field collapses and we cook the giant crab and all the players. Let the boiled crab leg jokes begin, am I right? (laughs) Did I mention? Funhouses can be a little silly. When running this encounter, it's important to give the crab a personality. He wants to guard the chest, but he also doesn't want to boil to death. Have some fun with it. When the walls do get punctured, and believe me, they always end up getting punctured, have the crab panic. Maybe he even plugs the hole with one of the player characters. This is just a taste of what White Plume Mountain has to offer. It's such a great collection of puzzles, traps, and monsters. I encourage you to check out this old school favorite. If you'd like, Old Men Rolling Dice did a live play of the module, and our friend Devin Wilson from Six Sides of Gaming is our dungeon master in that live play. And we have a really good time with all the traps and puzzles. Whether you love or hate Funhouse-style dungeons, it's very cool that what started out as Lawrence Schick's resume lived on to become a part of D&D history. Who knows? Maybe your next character will retrieve the sword Black Razor from beneath White Plume Mountain. Old Men Rolling Dice is brought to you by canadiandice.ca. Don't forget to use the OMRD code at checkout for a 10% discount off your entire order. Thanks for listening. I invite you to hit the follow button so you don't miss any future episodes of Old Men Rolling Dice. Also, come say hi on our Instagram or Facebook for more old-school Dungeons & Dragons content.